Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, we are stuck at the red light when it comes to getting to one of the biggest movies of the year. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, it's a fast and furious weekend for half the country, but the Couch Potatoes are getting shafted out of F9. I've also got a review for the next addition to your movie collection, the Godzilla vs. Kong Blu-ray. separate us but we always come back together we heard y'all needed a little love out here (laughs) at long last a movie that was supposed to come out in may of 2020 is finally here it is the latest fast and furious movie f9 the fast saga Y'all ever thought about the wild missions we've been on? We've taken out planes, trains, tanks. I'm not going to think about the submarine. And now we got cars flying in the air? Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. It's a long time, Dom. Little brother. You always say never turn your back on family. But you turned your back on me. Now your little family is in my world. Surprise! Vin Diesel's dumb Toretto has a little brother, played by John Cena. And baby bro is not happy with him. But Diesel and his familia are up to the task, especially with the return of popular character Han. No way. Is you ready? Oh, ready. So how do y'all want to play this? Fast. Of course. And furious. Now, Jeff, uh, the character Han, (laughs) can you maybe, because he's had kind of a complicated history with the timeline, right? Oh, my goodness. He was introduced and killed in the third movie, uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, but he was brought back in movies four, five, and six, which were revealed to be prequels to Tokyo Drift. He was then killed off at the end of six, and the Familia avenged his death in Furious 7. But now it turns out he's not really dead. Okay. I hope that's clear as mud because I was, (laughs) I had a hard time following that bouncing ball, but it doesn't really matter. I was just, I was excited to see him in the trailer and because the first trailer came out so long ago, I forgot. I just like today was the first time I've watched the trailer in months and I thought, oh yeah, Han's back. That's great. Now, Charlize Theron is back, too. She was the big bad in the last movie, Fate of the Furious. And Helen Mirren is back for some more fun. Brother against brother. This should be interesting. But could you kill him? You bite for me, would you, dog? And Helen Mirren, what's her deal again? What's her? Who's she related to? She's a she's somebody's mom, right? She's Jason Statham's mom. Ah, who, who and Statham uh, until now, be up until the uh, opening credits of F nine, we have been under the impression that he is the one who killed Han. So I guess we'll find out what really happened. And then in, in six, Statham showed up because he's the older brother of the bad guy in the sixth movie, right? Yes, and they were both in the eighth movie, and then, of course, uh, Statham had the spinoff with The Rock and Hobbs and Shaw. And his sister was in that one, played by Vanessa Kirby. 
Right. And she, of course, was also the bad guy, one of the bad guys in uh, Mission Impossible 6, but <laughs> I don't think we need to mix those up right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So with as with each sequel in this series, this one looks to get bigger and crazier. Like, remember... Jeff, wasn't the first movie about guys who just stole things like car stereos and liked to street race? DVD players, combination oh. <laughs> DVD player TVs from semi-trucks. And now they it like to... light-armed robbery is what it was, and now it's, uh, well, saving the world. It is insanity, and it is wonderful. I spent my entire life in your shadow. And now... You spend the rest of yours. And the joke's always been, at least for the last few movies, when will they go to space? Well, it looks like it might be happening in this one. Really? Drug tape? You acting like we on our way to Home Depot. Hudson! No, ah! I don't want to die! <laughs> All right, so we mentioned off the top, the couch potatoes are stuck at the red light for this because this movie is only playing in theaters there is no pvod option in canada no premium video on demand means we can't rent it we the couch potatoes live in manitoba our third wave came a bit later than other provinces so our reopening while it begins this weekend is also behind other provinces and movie theaters are not yet included so we can't see this movie unless I guess we take a road trip. Um, Early reviews, by the way, have it at 63%. That's as of Thursday afternoon, so that could change. And the whole PVOD thing could change as well by the weekend. There there could be some emergency about face because that has happened before, but I'm not counting on that, Jeff. So I like these movies, but you love these movies. How disappointed are you? This is, it's uh, movie wise, it's the biggest blow of the last year and a half. I know we've been, you know, upset since uh, last March about all the movies we've missed out on seeing. That, of course, many of them are just delayed, like this one, and some we watched, uh, you know, at home instead of in theaters. But this one is the one that uh, is really burning me up. It's really hard. I've, I've been just flipping through my Twitter, not stopping to read anything because I follow a lot of people that are writing stuff about Fast and the Furious these last few days. And I was like, well, I guess I'll get to that in a few months whenever we get a chance to see it kind of thing. Uh, it's a huge bummer. And um, I mean, I get the other eight movies I could watch or whatever, but I want to see the new one, Brett. Yeah, like in Ontario, for example, they're in, they're in the same boat. At least their reopening plan started before us, but movie theaters are pretty late in their plan. And uh, the only place you can see F9 on a big screen in Ontario is at drive-ins. And there's actually a pretty lengthy list in Ontario, but uh, that's not the case. Like they, they, we have a couple of drive-ins here in southern Manitoba, but they're all just playing like old movies, right? So far, I'm actually uh, just looked it up now and they haven't updated their web page yet. But yeah, everything has been like I saw Wonder Woman there last week and they've got uh, the Crudes playing there, the Crudes 2 playing there this week, which is not a new movie. Although A Quiet Place Part 2 played there last week. So, oh, really? Uh, once, yeah. So. Maybe in a week or two or three or four, uh, we might see Fast and the Furious at that drive-in. We'll have to keep checking it out. I'll definitely go see it if it uh, shows up there. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll let us go to a who movie knows? theater soon, sooner than later. I would imagine that, let's say, for example, in Manitoba, if movie theaters open by August 1st, that this will still 
be playing on the big screen. So that'll be exciting to see that on a big screen. Can't wait to see it. In the meantime, there is another new movie out this weekend that also involves crazy driving. And this is one that you can watch at home. It stars Liam Liam Neeson as, what else, a grizzled angry man. It's called The Ice Road. You heard about the cave-in? Yeah. I'm putting together a rescue mission. We have 26 trapped miners who are running out of air. I need 300 feet of pipe delivered up there in under 30 hours. Can you make it happen? Says you had experience on the ice road. Yep. He's the mechanic. One of the best. Sweet Jesus. Give me 50 bucks. One of my drivers just became available. What's it for? Bail. I, what? Told you this wasn't going to be easy. You're probably familiar with the show Ice Road Truckers. It's a popular show highlighting the gutsiest drivers out there. They've got to drive these big rigs on ice and hope that the ice doesn't break or melt. Well, now they've turned that concept into an action movie. There's a remote diamond mine that collapses in northern Canada. So Liam Neeson is tasked with an impossible rescue mission on the ice road over the frozen water to try to save their lives. Mount up! The only way up there is crossing the ice roads. But that lake has been thawing for five weeks now. If they are able to accomplish this, we will be exposed. So the question is time. We've been sabotaged. My brother is in that mine. This is personal. Now I'm angry. Now he's angry, and there are more problems. What the hell was that? Sweet Jesus, that ain't good. Spreading out. It's going to keep cracking for two, maybe 3,000 meters. We're going to have to run tight together. Go! Yeah, that sounds like uh, could be a big problem. So I think this movie looks cool. I love Liam Neeson. I love Lawrence Fishburne. And I like the, the, the fact that they've taken this concept of these ice road truckers and turned it into an action story. Unfortunately, if you want to watch this movie, it is a digital rental. I did previously say, I think it was just a month ago, that this is going to be on Netflix. That is wrong. It's on Netflix in the U.S., and it's on Amazon Prime Video in the U.K., but in Canada, you got to rent it, which kind of sucks because the movie was shot in Canada. It was shot in Manitoba, but we got to rent it? Come on. And uh, so far, based on the (laughs) earlier reviews, I would suggest to skip it and save your cash. Like, here's one... That says, another dud of a Liam Neeson action movie that came at me with an intriguingly silly premise and ended up looking like one of his cheapest productions. So, yeah. Ouch. He should pivot back to British period uh, pieces again, like he was f- first known for. That that would be a, a fun swerve from him now after he's become this uh, action guy these last 15 years or whatever it is. That's true. That's true. I mean, he's, a, he's an excellent actor. He's great. And it doesn't matter if he plays the same grumpy, grizzled man every time. I love Liam Neeson movies, and I'm still going to check this out eventually. I think I will be skipping the rental. I was looking forward to this. I had this pegged, ready to go for Netflix, and then I went and just to, to check in my phone to see if it was there. I was going to add it to my watch list so I didn't forget. And uh, it wasn't there on the Netflix app. And then I checked Prime and I'm like, where? <laughs> where? This movie where is, is it? Like even on the, the movie 
uh, website, VVS Films, it says home release. Like, well, how? Like, tell me how. So, yeah, it took me like 30 minutes to figure out how this is going to play out in Canada. So, in a moment, Jeff Braun takes a look at whether or not Kevin Hart is a good dad. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And I checked out a new Netflix movie floating around their top 10 this week. Kevin Hart stars in Fatherhood. I don't know how you're going to do this. If you could have only one parent, I wish you could have had your mom. Because she would have been better at it. And mommy was the best. Go to sleep, Maddie. Maddie, go to sleep. Maddie, go to sleep. Go to sleep, Maddie. It's not working, though. She's not a clapper. Mr. Logan, Madeline doesn't have a mother to model after. I am well aware of what my daughter doesn't have. You think you can do this, but you can't. No, man, you're right. I can't do it. But you know what? I'm going to do it because I'm a father. Kevin Hart plays Matt, a Boston man who suddenly finds his world turned upside down when his wife dies shortly after the birth of their daughter. So not only is he grieving the death of his wife, he's suddenly thrust into single parenthood at the same time, a tough combination. And the movie wastes no time getting there. The opening shot is the wife's funeral. There are some quick flashbacks to her death, and the story is all set up in the first 10 or 15 minutes. And you're probably thinking, well, Kevin Hart is hilarious, but this doesn't sound funny at all. And it isn't. There are some jokes along the way, but it's firmly entrenched in melodrama territory. In fact, I don't remember the last time I cried so much during a movie. Some sad cries, some happy cries, but not a lot of laughs. Like many comic actors before him, Hart can, or Hart can do drama pretty well. I, I would say I like him more when he's being funny, although I don't like his stand-up comedy. He's a comic that does an awful lot of shouting, which I find grating. But he's often very funny in movies like The Five-Year Engagement and Hobbs and Shaw and, of course, the Jumanji movies. He pairs well with The Rock. And he's an engaging, charismatic guy in general. I like watching Kevin Hart just being himself on t- talk shows and that sort of thing. Uh, as a dramatic actor, he is capable, but I don't see an Oscar in his future. The story is sort of a run-of-the-mill thing in fatherhood. Not a lot of unexpected swerves, sort of like Mr. Mom, but less comedy, obviously. Like I said, Matt has a hard time at first with all the baby stuff, and he disagrees with his mother-in-law on some parenting issues. Alfre Woodard plays a mother-in-law and gives the best performance of the movie. Frankie Faison is the father-in-law, and it's always a joy when he pops up in anything I'm watching, especially since he's usually less of a jerk than he was in The Wire. And the baby, you know, affects Matt's career, although it doesn't really go the way you might think it does. Paul Reiser plays his boss, by the way. Always good to see him show up in anything as well. And Matt has some dumb friends, of course. And there's the question of will he fall in love again? So the movie is sort of half set when his daughter's a baby. And then there's a time jump ahead to when she's five or six for the second half of the movie. The kid who plays Maddie in kindergarten is just terrific. And kudos to whomever is teaching her to act and to the casting director who found her. There's quite a bit riding on this kid's performance, and we all know that it's pretty rare to find a kid who can really act. One thing I was nervous about at first uh, when it was made clear that the movie was set in Boston was the accents. I cannot take any more Boston accents in movies, and luckily this movie just doesn't bother with them at all. And I only noticed a Red Sox logo once, so that's worth an extra point right there. There's really not much to say about the movie. Like I said, it's fine. You won't regret watching it, I don't think, but it also won't make your best of the year list. I I can't imagine anyways. It's not a bad family movie, although there's some swear words, but there's no string of F-bombs or anything like that. It's a tearjerker 
berserker. And even though a lot of the characters and story are kind of stock, it doesn't feel cheap or manipulative somehow. It somehow just earns its emotions. And I think maybe the charisma and chemistry of Hart and the other actors help that. Again, not a great movie, but not bad. Three couch cushions out of five, Brett, for Fatherhood on Netflix. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, Kevin Hart stretching his wings a little bit. And that that so often happens with these comic characters. It's almost like they are comic actors. It's like they get bored of doing comedy yeah. and want to try their hand at drama. And when they do it well, they often do it as well, if not better. Like, look at Tom Hanks. Look at yes. his, his career trajectory. It was all comedy and nonsense. Not that it was bad. I'm not saying nonsense in a bad Fun way. Fun nonsense. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, when he transitioned to drama, he's, he turned out to be one of the best ever. And, you know, and also uh, a, like a guy like Jamie Foxx, who now, when someone says Jamie Foxx, I think of a dramatic actor. That guy started on In Living Color and as a stand-up comedian, and he's very funny, but I don't even think of him as a comedy guy anymore because he's made such a mark on uh, dramatic acting. But I think Kevin Hart's uh, going to have one foot in comedy, and that's what he'll be known for going forward. Well, up next, we're going to tell you about two massive stars who are both good at comedy, drama, and destruction. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. I watched a movie on Blu-ray this week. Warner Brothers often sends us Blu-ray discs, and we thank them for that. And this week, I checked out the latest one they sent us, Godzilla vs. Kong. Right now, Godzilla's out there, and he's hurting people. We don't know why. We need Kong. The world needs him. So the movie made its debut in March. The Blu-ray DVD debuted on June 15th. The plot for this, if you haven't seen it yet, doesn't matter. It's all just a setup to get these two titans to drop the gloves while laying waste to the city around them. It is gloriously silly with some amazing and super colorful visual effects. You really believe Godzilla and King Kong are duking it out while buildings are just tumbling down around them. Great fun comes in under two hours. So I gave Godzilla vs. Kong four couch cushions out of five. Godzilla will come for him. They have an ancient rivalry. Godzilla had left us in peace. He's provoked into war. So when I first watched it, I watched it on a preview screener from Warner Brothers. They sent us a link, which we then accessed through their app or through a browser. So I uh, watched it on the app on my phone, fired it to my TV through my Google Chromecast. Still decent quality, but my Chromecast is a few years old now, and I I really should get a new one because I think you can even get ones for 4K TVs. Uh, The quality of mine is only 720p. So again, not not bad, but just not great. So I was very excited to watch this on Blu-ray because... When you really want to enjoy a movie for its full experience, you got to have the hard copy because while when you're watching something streaming, even if it's a digital copy, you know, like you can you can buy these movies digitally uh, rather than just put, rather than buy a hard copy, but and the picture is the same. And in some cases, from what I understand, streaming quality picture can be even better than a hard disc, but the sound quality is night and day. There's no comparison. You lose so much quality on the sound. So having access to a hard disc like this was wonderful. And this movie, I mentioned the colors. I thought it looked cool the first time I watched it, but even in Blu-ray, it, the colors 
are so poppy. There's this temple that King Kong visits that has some really great colors. And then when they're fighting at night in Hong Kong, it is super colorful. It is just a, a visual feast. It was a true joy to watch it again. So there is a 4K Blu-ray that is available for this. I think I will have to get this uh, for sure and add it to my collection. And it's got good special features too uh, on this Blu-ray. I've got the disc in my hand. They've got uh, 10 featurettes. As the, the case says, over an hour of excitement, including the phenomenon of Gojira, King of the Monsters, the evolution of Kong, Eighth Wonder of the World, Round 1, Battle at Sea, Round 2, One Will Fall, and so on. And the, like I said, there's 10 featurettes. It, it comes in at under an hour. They're all just these little five-minute pieces that provide some history of the, each of these characters, how they, how they got their beginnings, how they've managed to infiltrate pop culture and become two of the biggest stars, quote-unquote, on planet Earth, uh, figuratively and literally, considering how big they are. So I highly recommend, if you're still into buying Blu-rays and you want something dumb, something fun, something colorful, something that's going to make your TV and your stereo go smashy-smash, then pick up Godzilla vs. Kong. Who bows to who? And they did send this to the Couch Potatoes, and Jeff, I I still have a a handful of other ones that uh, have your name on them. So uh, we got to figure out, Jeff, just for in case you haven't listened or forgot, the Couch Potatoes have seen each other all of two times in the last 16 months. Jeff's working at home. I'm at the radio station. So I've got a stack of Blu-rays that are uh, destined for Jeff Braun's collection, but we got to figure out a time to, you know, make the exchange. To do a swap, yeah. I'm I'm sure, I think I have a couple here that I've said, oh yeah, I'll lend that to you as well. So <laughs> yeah. we'll have to do a trade-off at some point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll meet in a parking lot at two in the morning. Right. That's <laughs> where all good trade-offs happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I look forward to that. I enjoyed that uh, King Kong movie, uh, Godzilla movie as well. It, w- it was, like you said, it was dumb, but fun. So um, I-, I will finish something this week that was Neither dumb, not really fun either. It was another series I've been working on. It's Barry Jenkins, The Underground Railroad on Amazon. Next. Free your runaway. I'm not sure. We are Africans in America. Something new to the history of the world. It's a historical fiction series about a young slave woman, Cora, who escapes her Georgia plantation and tries to get to freedom via the Underground Railroad. As you would expect, it was a tough watch at times, but the filmmaking is simply breathtaking. The performances are off the charts. It is a masterpiece. Another masterpiece from Moonlight director Barry Jenkins, who is now one of the most reliable talents behind the camera. He has a visual style that stops you in your tracks so many times. I was just, whoa, look at that. That looks amazing. His shot are so meticulously framed. There's so much warmth and depth and the colors pop. I'm always blown away. He also has a knack for casting because there is not one sour performance or out-of-place performance. Tuso Mbedu plays Cora, and she's a revelation. She's unknown to North American audiences up until now, but I saw a YouTube clip of her on what appeared to be some sort of Entertainment Tonight type show in South Africa where she's from. So she does have you know history in acting, and hopefully this leads to all the success 
success she wants out of Hollywood. Joel Edgerton is in it. He is also fantastic, a very compelling bad guy. He's the guy who is hunting for Cora after she escapes. You can't have empathy for a guy like that, but the show delves into his past. You find out where he's coming from, and he has a helper, a kid named Homer, and my God, this kid is a scene stealer without even really doing too much. You hear of old souls, and this kid is at once a 10-year-old and an old, old man stuck in a 10-year-old's body. The actor's name is Chase Dillon, and I'll be shocked if we don't hear more from him down the road to make a story, which of course is heartbreaking and difficult, and I don't think he really pulls any punches, although it is not graphically disturbing throughout to tell that story in a way that keeps you invested even though you know that it's tragic from beginning to end over 10 episodes is really something i assume it will win all the limited series awards come awards time it's a must watch if you don't mind watching something that can be very dark of course there's hope attached to it but it's also truthful and it doesn't you know, wallow in a lot of false hope, that type of thing. I do highly, highly recommend it. The Underground Railroad is available on Amazon Prime Video. And a reminder as well that that is the show that I confused with a book that I had read in grade seven. Po- just positive that I read this book. And I was, uh, it sent me down, a, I think, a 15 minute rabbit hole to, to uncover the truth because I said, Yeah, I read that book back in grade seven, The Underground Railroad. And you said, Well, how is that possible? They, the book. <laughs> Was it that the show is based on wasn't written until, I don't know, 2017? 2016, yeah. Well, when you name something as a sort of like the Underground Railroad is specific, but it's also kind of vague in that there's probably 12 books named the Underground Railroad. And coming up after the break, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant about something with a plain name that drove me crazy, Brett. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. The name of the book that I read, by the way, was Underground to Canada. And uh, maybe it's something you read in school. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And I finally watched a show that's been on my radar for a while now. It's on Crave, and it's called Review. First off, let me point out how irritating it is to try to look up information about the show. Typing the word review into Google by itself is useless, but I did get there in the end. The show, titled Review, was on Comedy Central in the United States from 2014 to 2017. I don't believe it aired anywhere in Canada live when it was actually on, but it is on Crave now, all three seasons, which actually only constitute 22 episodes, and they're each 22 minutes long, for a grand total series running time of about eight hours. You can bang it out in a weekend easily. I watched half of it on Sunday, and the rest on Monday and Tuesday. There are not really any clips on the internet of the show either, which I just don't understand. I know the show flew under the radar, but that's bizarre that there aren't a bunch of clips posted on YouTube by fans. It did run three seasons, so someone must have been watching at least for a little while. Um, it's created by and stars Andy Daly, who honestly may be the best improv comic actor there is. I find him hysterically funny. He's got an everyman quality, but he specializes in nerdy types, doctors, teachers, that sort of thing. He played uh, Ben Franklin on an episode of The Office. You might also know him from bit parts and recurring roles in Veep, Silicon Valley, Modern Family, all sorts. Um, Daly's also had a terrific podcast called Bananas for Bonanza, where he plays a cowboy character who recaps old episodes of the TV Western Bonanza. It's very funny. Review is a high concept show. Daly's character, Forrest McNeil, reviews life experiences. And each episode is simply him doing two or three reviews. 
He gets his suggestions from viewers, and off he goes. It's a mockumentary, I guess, and that all we see is the finished product of the fictional review program where he presents his reviews. And the things Forrest reviews are very wide-ranging, some silly, some serious, some both. Like when a viewer asked him, what's it like to eat 15 pancakes? Sounds silly. It turned very serious and gross because that is a lot harder than it sounds. And a lot of the experiences are sexual in nature. I won't go into details on the family radio program. There are a lot of bleeping of swears and blurring of naked bodies. The real fun comes in Forrest's commitment to his reviews, even at the astronomical cost to his real life. That's where a lot of the humor comes in. A lot of it's kind of cringy too. Someone suggests he reviews blackmail, for example, and he sets things in motion to blackmail someone he cares about, regardless of the consequences. And my God, the consequences, sometimes they're physical, often they're financial. Occasionally they are emotional, but chaos just runs reign supreme. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just insane. For example, this is not in the show, but if your request was, what's it like to cut off your finger? He would literally cut off his finger. Anything goes. And I mean anything. The worst thing you're thinking of right now, it's worse than that. It's also extremely funny. I have not laughed that hard at a show in a very long time a couple of years, probably. It's what makes the fact that almost no one has ever seen this show so tragic. One of the downsides of the changing TV landscape in the past decade is that there is simply too much out there right now. Stuff falls through the cracks that shouldn't, more so you know, now than ever before, and this is one of the prime examples. Again, there aren't even really any clips on YouTube, which is just ridiculous. I don't even understand how that's possible, frankly, unless Comedy Central, even four years after it finished airing is having them removed. I stumbled upon it on Crave, having heard great things years ago when it was on in the U.S., and I'm glad I did. I consider it a must-watch series. If you like comedy, just go to the search bar in Crave and type review. You won't be disappointed. I, I, I cannot stress enough, Brett, how much you need to check this out. Okay. Well, you say it's only eight hours, so that's worth uh, <laughs> yeah. giving it a try. Yeah, it's funny when you're strolling or s scrolling through these streaming services and you you land on a show where you've never heard of it, but you look at it and you go, yeah, I'll give that a shot. And then it turns out to be one of the best things you've ever seen. So yeah, it's just uh, it's just the baffling nature of how we live now. And like you know, the way we grew up was. There weren't that many channels and there weren't that many shows and it was obvious, you know, what was worth watching and what wasn't. So there you go. It's called Review. Again, bad title as far as searching stuff on the internet goes. Um, and one last thing I wanted to point out this week, a new movie-related book comes out on Tuesday. It's Quentin Tarantino's novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Are you an actor? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at, Look at me! So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. It's being billed as Tarantino's first novel. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was his ninth film. It made $375 million worldwide and had 10 Oscar nominations. It won a couple, including Best Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt. It was also my favorite movie of that year, and that was a good year at the movies. The publisher of the novel, Harper Perennial, released a trailer for the book this week, including several snippets of unused footage from the movie. You've seen the Columbia Pictures movie. Now read the novel by Quentin Tarantino. 
good picture. Yeah. There's nothing particularly interesting about the never-before-seen footage in that trailer, although it does make one of the images on the movie's poster make more sense. As for the book itself, it's not just a straight copy of the movie's script. There's more to it, including chapters to tell the backstory of Pitt's character, stuntman Cliff Booth. Normally, I'd be a little wary about that. The movie's great. Why not leave well enough alone? But if there's one guy I trust with telling a story, it's Quentin Tarantino. The novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out Tuesday. Hey! You're Rick f***ing Dalton. Don't you forget it. It all happened once upon a time. Hollywood. Weirdly enough, I actually rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last weekend. Brett, uh, I hadn't seen it in, I don't think I'd watched it at all in the last year and a half or whatever, but uh, Blu-ray was calling out to me, so I watched it again. Still great. It's uh, Pulp Fiction, I think, is still my favorite of his, but I th- Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is definitely top three Tarantino for me now, and, I'm, and I ordered the book, so I'll be getting that uh, next week. I'm looking forward to that. Now, how quickly... Do you read books? Because I mean, the very. couch potatoes are good at binging television, but I will admit that uh, I I don't read very quickly. I'm so distracted. Yeah, same here. And it's more a thing of I don't pick up pick up the book very often. Like I've been working on this uh, behind the scenes of the making of Jaws book for months now, and I'm only like fifty pages into it. But, uh, but I I do the thing where sometimes I'll if I get into it, I just won't stop reading it and. Uh, to the detriment of the rest of my life. Like I, I used to, <laughs> I used to skip college classes because I was up all night reading Lord of the Rings. Like I read Lord of the Rings from 10 at night till eight in the morning. It's like, well, I guess we're not going to school today. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. I remember when the first or the last Harry Potter book came out, I went and grabbed that on the Saturday morning and spent the entire day reading it well into the next morning. And then I think I just slept the day away on Sunday. So when I do actually read, I enjoy it. I just watch so much television now that I can't seem to devote time to reading, but I really need to do that. Feed my brain. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.